Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and today I'm really excited uh, to have an old friend of mine, Andrew Parkinson, on the podcast with us. Um, If you're in the yachting industry or you like to pick up a magazine here and there, you've definitely seen Andrew's name before. He works with Yachts International. He's now with Passage Maker Magazine, Um, very active on social media, flashing all of his nice pictures of his um, lovely stays on plenty of different yachts. And in between, there's a a lot of hard work that uh, goes into all of that. So um, we go back probably... I want to say six or eight years without dating either was too much, but uh, I met Andrew. We were on a press tour in Holland, um, and it was kind of, you know, six or seven journalists wedged for about a week in some dreary parts of the Netherlands. So it was nice to get to know everyone a little bit better. And uh, he's always been a really familiar face and and friendly stopover at different yacht shows when things can get a little bit hairy and uh, crazy. Uh, and to followers of ours on social media, you may also recognize him. Uh, we were both part of a tour on board a Sunseeker last April in the Bahamas, which was absolutely incredible. Um, although he did cut me off on the jet skis once. So uh, Andrew, if you're listening, you still owe me for that one, bud. Um, and I just wanted to also make a note, he does mention this, but at Passage Maker, they're also coming out with their own podcasts, which we're thrilled to hear about because um, travel podcasts, especially in the yacht industry, are still a little bit few and far between. So we're thrilled to have somebody else um, spreading the word on the amazing holidays that await on water. So enjoy this episode. If you don't subscribe to our podcast yet, please go to iTunes, Google Play, wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Um, Subscribe to us. You'll always get updates when you have a new episode coming out. And please write a review. We love doing this for you. It's really a labor of love. Um, There's not much in it. Otherwise, we get to interact with you in a different way. So if you are enjoying the content, please uh, subscribe and review and we love having you here so thanks again and enjoy the show hi andrew thanks so much for joining us today thank you for having me we're so happy we uh able to set some time aside i know you've been pretty busy with the yacht shows and you've got a handful of kids at home so we appreciate your time well absolutely it's a pleasure to be here and uh you know, I, I follow your podcast so i'm a big fan okay great well now you're in the uh the interview seat so I won't uh, bore our listeners too much for me, but I would love if you could share a little bit. They know um, you're a longtime journalist in the industry, but if you could just share a little bit of background on how you came to be where you are today and how you got started in the super yacht industry as a journalist. Sure. So um, my story begins uh, in the yachting industry in 2007, um, which is right along the lines with the economic downturn here. Yeah, and I decided to become a copper. <laughs> And try to sell boats in 2007, which is the last thing anyone should want to do in 2007. So um, I got some bumps and bruises, you know, my first few years in the industry. Um, But I was able, fortunately enough, to circle back to journalism, which is what I went to school for uh, and what I had done previously. Um, An opportunity came up at a a regional magazine called Southern Boating here in South Florida, uh, which I was already a fan of. And they needed a managing editor. And they needed someone that could write and speak boat. And I said, well, that sounds right up my... uh, right up my alley. So I applied, I got the job and um, worked there for a couple of years. Then Yachts International came calling in a slightly larger LOA than I was used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was able to learn the ropes and uh, I was there for five years. And we can probably speak more about that later. 
Um, and then just recently, as of January 1st of this year, I was offered the helm um, editor-in-chief job at Passage Maker Magazine, which is a longtime favorite of mine. Uh, when I grew up reading and adoring as a, a sailboater at heart and uh, also a trawler guy when I was younger. So um, that's my gig now. And uh, we're having a great time. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember, um, I didn't know, by the way, that you tried to be a broker first. Did that last very long? Or was it a very quickly, this boat is literally sinking and I need to find something else? That was a... Um, Gosh, I, I mean, I'd always grown up around boats and um, backstory is, you know, I was in marketing and PR for 10 years, uh, fresh out of school. And I ended up down here in South Florida um, and uh, I was working in a newspaper here and I was in the marketing department at a paper called The Sun Sentinel. And we had uh, sort of a Black Friday, if you will, where um, newspaper industry, you know, declining in, in readership uh, as newspapers tend to be or competing on time. Um, and it's just a tough platform. So our marketing department went from 22 people to two people in one day. And I found myself wow. uh, suddenly without a job. And I said, well, what's the quickest thing I can do to you know, get myself back up and running again? And I said, I love boats. Let's just get a broker's license and uh, have some fun for a little while and see where it takes me. So that's how I ended up being a broker. But unfortunately, it was right around 2007. And um, uh, yeah, it's it a kind of a time. button for punishment, I guess. But uh, so I wrote it out. You know, I, I learned a heck of a lot about selling boats and all different types of boats. And it actually turned out to be the perfect education that I needed to, you know, give me uh, get me prepared to, you know, do what I do today, which is to write about boats and all varieties of boats and sometimes sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, it's it's a great learning curve. Like like you say, it kind of dumps you in at the deep end and then you can turn it around. You also know the background, which is great because as you know, um, and our listeners probably too, sometimes it can be quite um, exclusive, you know, and you can't talk about a lot if it's a new build project or, you know, maybe crew on board can't talk about um, their experience sometimes because the yacht is so secretive or the owner like has an NDA, whatever it might be. Um, so it's really cool that you also have that background experience. But um, when you said it's a different length too, it made me laugh because I remember my interview when I first started as a journalist and I thought the same thing. I grew up sailing in Canada on the, the lakes and I thought, oh, this will be great. It's a boat magazine. Um, and then they said uh, in my interview, and this would have been in England, so it was in meters. Oh, well, we deal with yachts 30 meters and up. And I, I did my conversion in my head of the biggest What's a meter, right? yeah. <laughs> well that too I was, math is not my strong point that's why I work with words um and then just realizing that basically my parents boat that I would have experience with was a dinghy um a tender to them so mm -hmm. I quickly backtracked and said well you know uh it, it's all the same right like all the parts are the same it's pretty much transferable right so I'm sure somehow on my own little quick thinking, I got the job, but uh, yeah, definitely you know not <laughs> the type of boating I thought. And you nailed it. I mean, it, it really, it all comes down to that love of being on the water and whether you're on a, you know, a, a 10 foot dinghy or you're on a 300 foot super yacht, you're on the water. It's the lifestyle. It's, it's, you know, that, that salt air in your hair. And you know, that's what I think what drives a lot of our readers and, and a lot of us in general to boats and to the water. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Definitely something that unites us. And that's probably something interesting, like you're saying. Um, we had a, a little chat just before, but the two magazines you just touched on. So Yachts would be focusing traditionally on the larger boats and your passage maker, you grew up reading it, right? So they also appeal to smaller and bigger boats, right? And 
somehow right. we all have that commonality, which works. Right. You know, it, it, uh, I'll go back to Bill Parlator, who's the founding editor of Passage Maker. And 23 years ago in our first issue, you know, he, he wrote something to the effect of, you know, what's remarkable about all this diversity in thinking in, in our industry is that it's a fairly common theme. You know, the differences between boats and cruising plans and owners, it's really the, it's the, it's the cruising lifestyle that, that brings us all together. Um, it's about, you know, quality of life, self-sufficiency, economy of operation, modern convenience, cruising capability, and comfort aboard. And, uh, you know, again, whether, whether it's a super yacht or a, you know, 40 foot, who's its craft, um, all the same principles apply. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that, that escape. And also even on a smaller scale, you know, the, the hot topic for everyone is experiential travel, you know, like what can I do that's really different and somebody hasn't done. And, you know, you and I even got to go on that uh, Sunseeker last year, which was a yep. very large boat, beautiful in the Bahamas. And then I just came back from, again, on my parents' 37 foot sailboat in the Bahamas last week. And of course, your you know your quality of, of where you're sleeping and your surroundings might be a little bit different. But at the end of the day, I did all that same experiential stuff that Bahamas is known for. You know, I got to see the pigs, I got to see the iguanas. There were stingrays everywhere, and you're still getting off that beaten path that you can't really get at a resort or in a villa and standing in one spot the whole time. Yeah, true. And and to take that one step further, you touched on an interesting point, and that is that uh, I think you know, the way we use our boats. Um, is changing and that's it's an industry trend and it, it, it reflects in the design of, of newer boats that you see coming on the market these days um, and you see it with the ages skewing a little bit younger I mean certain boats are starting to appeal to a younger crowd than, than they never did before and I think something a part of that has to do with you know people are valuing they used to value things I think you know mm. that was that was the big thing how much money can I spend and how big a thing can I own. And now I think they're, they're shifting their value to experience. It's more about having those experiences um, than just owning stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think I would definitely agree. And I think we're seeing that just in the types of people who are coming into this industry. Like we've chatted before, you know, it used to be that maybe you bought a boat and then what was that old saying for the small boat? Like two footitis, you'd buy it and then you'd buy two sizes up and then, you know, that would keep going. And then maybe you'd go like 10 feet bigger and then, you know, that was always the goal. And there's still a lot of people like that, that we've seen that have escalated into they buy, you know, a super yacht, a hundred foot boat or something. But you're even seeing that um, people are chartering because they don't know what it's like. What is a yacht vacation really like on a bigger boat? Is it that much better? Can I really get that, um, you know, experience that I'm not getting somewhere else? And once they get it and fall in love with it, then they're buying a boat. So they're new to the industry, but with a hundred, 200 foot boat as their starter. So I, I think you're right in that people want something different, but it's still bringing them here to find it. Right. Charter really is that gateway drug, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you do a couple of charters, you get hooked and suddenly you're contemplating a you know big boat purchase. And, yes. um, yeah. Uh, it's funny it's how beautiful. it, how it happens. Yeah. Is that the whole thing? You know? Yeah. Do you think that's the, um, biggest change that you've seen? Is it the type of people that have come into this industry or is it what they're doing with their time on the water? Or like you said, the designs are changing as well. If you could pick one, what, what do you think is the biggest change? Oh man, I'll, I'll even throw a fourth one out there and okay. that's the whole, the whole eco hybrid thing. Um, yes. that's, that's major now too. Um, you know, you're seeing, uh, 
you're seeing new propulsion systems that you know you never would have even thought would exist ten years ago. Um, and I think there's a growing uh, sense of conscience. I think you know how we're using our boats and how much fuel am I burning, and how can I you know on a on a closer level, how can I save money um, you know on my boat by maybe using a hybrid system or uh, you know, thinking about the environment as well, you know, so many boats on the water and, you know, we cruise so many untouched places. And I think there's that sense of, of consciousness, like, you know, how can I make sure that my boat is keeping these waters clean? You know, we're, yeah. we're burning diesel fuel at the end of the day. And, um, I like to see that, you know, that focus being shifted to the eco, uh, trend. And, um, I think it's having a positive effect on our industry and also it's, it's affecting the designs of boats. You know, they're trying to make them more, uh, the hulls are, are more efficient now than, than ever before, and they're having to create new hulls to go along with these new hybrid propulsion packages. And it's just the whole thing is kind of evolving slowly into somewhere that I think it's you know going to be a great place uh, here very soon. But that's just one side. You, you asked me to pick one. Um, gosh, I think for me one of the biggest trends is like I said earlier how we're using our boats. Um, I think. You know, that whole craving experiences thing is driving boat owners to, you know, push a little bit farther and farther. Um, and you look at the design of boats, I, you know, hard pressed to name a boat builder now that doesn't offer a Voyager series or a, an Explorer mm. line. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going farther. You know, they're going to the Arctic regions. They're going to places that were never on the, you know, on the loop itinerary before, you know, they're venturing deeper into the Caribbean and it's because of this great technology that's available to us. And the boats are stronger. They're more dependable. Um, they're more intuitive, they're more user-friendly. And I think that is having a great effect on, uh, accessibility to new owners, but also confidence level to existing owners, you know, Hey, I can take my boat further. I can go beyond the reef. And, um, yeah, uh, that's definitely a, that's definitely a growing trend. And I think that's that kind of actually marries into your point, which is, you know, with being on the water so much, there also comes that sort of consciousness that we need to make sure this is still here in 20 years. You know, what do I love about being on the water? Well, you know, if you're in the Caribbean, you, it's crystal clear. You can see all the animals. There's lots of ecosystems living and working together. Um, and with that, you think, okay, I want to do my part to not destroy this and, and make sure that the next generation can see it. And um, what our listeners would have heard is um, on last month's, you know, we had a stew on who was very much one of those eco warriors and it goes even further, right? You've put all of that effort into building your boat to be really green, um, made some changes so it's more fuel efficient, but then also so much money can be wasted on board with say bottled water. Whereas if you just put in a water filtration system, boom, nobody needs to have bottled water anymore. Everyone fills it up and, and you're good to go. It's one small act that can have this huge domino effect. So um, I, I have to agree. That's a great point that the green, um, well, that we're all seeing really globally, not just in yachting. I think it's really starting to have an effect on what we do in yachting day to day. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely starting to have an effect. That's great to see. And it, it's, yeah, you know, it, sometimes you don't think about it, you know, like when you're in the Exumas, you know, like we were last year, hmm. that, that water is gin clear. And the last thing you are thinking about is pollution and, you know, what could happen in, you know, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. Uh, but it's there. I mean, you imagine all the boats are on the water. You look at a port like Fort Lauderdale even, and, you know, we have, we have pretty clean water here, but, you know, after the tide has been in for a few hours, that water goes from, you know, that nice aqua green to, uh, to brackish pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's telling it. Imagine if that was the Exumas. Imagine if that was St. Bart's. Imagine if, 
you know, if that was the Balearics, um, it can, it can happen anywhere. The boats are on, on the water in mass, uh, depending on season. And, you know, we really need to be thinking about being more eco-conscious. Yeah. And they are going further, like you say. So maybe the further destinations in the Caribbean weren't that big 10 years ago, but now people can access it more. So we also need to keep that in mind that with greater travel comes that greater responsibility. <laughs> to quote. So true. Yeah. True. Um, and we've touched on before, you know, some of these fabulous destinations you've been able to sneak off to, but um, in terms of being on an actual yacht charter, um, how do you think it, it does differ from other vacations? Obviously we know there's, there's more opulence and, and a little bit more uh, splash and glitter maybe. Um, but at the heart of it, what do you think would set a luxury yacht charter aside from a luxury villa rental say rebecca i will gladly go on record <laughs> and say that luxury yacht charter is the best kept secret in travel okay it's the most personalized style of vacation you can possibly take it's got all the amenities of a five-star hotel um all the indulgences of a michelin starred restaurant and you can have so many great experiences on these charters in places that you never thought you'd, you'd reach before. And sometimes places you maybe couldn't reach on your own boat if you, if you do have a boat. Um, the level of service is unmatched. I mean, you know, I've stayed in a lot of nice hotels too, and not a single one of those comes close to the level of service that I've had on, you know, your basic luxury yacht charter, which I think yeah. speaks volumes, you know? Yeah. It, it's funny, isn't it? Cause at a hotel, you also have ranges, right? Like if you're going to be staying at a top end hotel, then you're going to get such a certain level of service versus, you know, the medium level hotel chain. Whereas a yacht, whether you're on a 80 meter or a 300 foot or 80 meter, 80 foot or a 300 foot yacht, mm -hmm. that crew is trained in the same way. And they're trained to, to give you that excellent service and amazing experience. So it's also yeah. very universal, isn't it? It is. And, and, you know, yachts aren't, they're not booked by the cab. Well, rarely are they booked by the cabin or, you know, you're not yeah. sharing your vacation with total strangers. You know, you've got the entire yacht and the entire crew dedicated completely to you and, you know, and your friends and guests, you know, whoever you or family, whoever you have yeah. on board. And that one-on-one -on -one, or sometimes even two or three-on-one, you know, when you talk yeah. about large crews, that level of attention, I mean, you just don't get that. Give me the nicest hotel uh, resort in the world. And, you know, I, I'll go on record. I'll say that it's not going to compare to the attention, you know, personalized attention and care that you get when you're on a luxury yacht charter. Yeah, 100%. And you, um, we, we've discussed, you, you do have some kids who, I think they were too young to join you on some of the charters yet. Um, yeah. But again, it would be yeah. a dream, right? Like the perfect place to take. Some some people are, aren't quite sure how it works with children. Is it safe enough? And, you know, we've written in, uh, a few articles and discussed it as well. But for yeah. a father with young children, you wouldn't hesitate, would you? No, I, I wouldn't. And, and to, to clarify, when we talked about it earlier, you know, I, I we, my wife and I opted, you know, to pass on, on having our, our kids come on the trip. They were at the time, uh, four years old, two years old and a newborn. And, um, the thing is we could have done it and, you know, the, you wanted the, the a vacation. Cool. Come on, be honest. <laughs> well, true. But, um, my wife didn't end up going either actually, cause we had something that came up and she wasn't able to make the trip. So I owe her one. However, um, you know, we, we could have done it with the kids and the crew even, you know, they were begging us to bring the kids. I think they were even doing a photo shoot on that one. So they really wanted the kids there. Okay. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, the crews are prepared for, for children. And it, at the end of the day, it was just a decision that we made. You know, we didn't feel 
like we wanted to have our hands that full, you know, on that sort of a trip where I'm trying to do work as well. You know, like I'm my job on that on, on those fam trips is to I have the experience, yes, and it looks great in all the Facebook photos and my friends, you know, kinda hate me for a few weeks after I return. But okay. um, I still job. have to <laughs> sit down at the computer and you know, I've got to crank out a story. And um and that you know, that that's part of the job. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, children are welcome on just about every charter yacht, and the crew are well trained to cater to youngsters. You know, with the water sports, onboard entertainment, tons of activities, and safety is always at their, you know, at, at, at the forefront. You know, most charter yachts today have got high tech stabilizers. You know, the boat rolling is pretty much a non-factor, even when the sea is choppy. So, you know, these yachts are very well equipped to handle families and kids. And you know, had, could I do it again? I I would absolutely have brought the kids. Um, yeah. It turned out to be that kind of trip where they would have had so much fun. So I regret not doing that. But Wow, something uh, else will come up, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Hang around long enough and someone will invite you. But um, And it, it's also, like you say, that one-on-one care and attention, right? You, you know, at a big resort, you're going to have a huge pool and, you know, you're on the whole time. It's not much – I won't say it's not much of a vacation for mom and dad, but also – and I, I'm also not implying that crew is, you know, a full-time nanny, but they're there also to help take some of that load off and look after you and your kids. So it's kind of that, you know, seven-star service for the kids as well, which you wouldn't get at a resort, I don't think, or or anywhere else really. Yeah. And like you said, you know, crews are not, they, they don't sign up to be, you know, full-time nannies when they're signing up for, for a charter. So the best thing I think you can do or your, your listeners can do if you're thinking about a charter is, you know, talk to the charter manager, talk to your charter broker. Um, you know, there are certain boats that I think are better equipped than maybe others to you know, handle smaller children. Mm-hmm. And if you bring that all out uh, in the initial stages, you're going to find the perfect boat for you. Yeah. And I think that's, it's something that's changing as well, I think, right? There's a, a yacht we have that I had the pleasure of going on in Indonesia and there it's um, Dunia Baru and the the sides of it are are quite tall and it's solid wood throughout, um, which is the Indonesian style. But also the owner had a very young child at the time and he thought, I don't want to have to think about him constantly running up and down the boat. So, you know, right. yachts like that have already thought about, okay, you can't have big gaps between, you know, this deck and the next one or someone's always going to have to be on them. So you're right as well. It's, it does take a little bit of homework or, you know, we can advise people as well, which, which yachts are going to be more kid friendly. But I think sure. that's, that's something, like you say, the, the client and customers changing. So with that new boats, I think are also going to be changing and, and putting in those implementations to make sure everyone can have peace of mind. It's already changing. You know, we're, we're seeing that now in new builds. Um, so it, it's happening. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I think it's just going to continue to evolve. Yeah. yeah. Which is great, I think. And you, um, uh, yachting aside or maybe on a boat, you've done a fair bit of travel yourself. Is there um, a place in the world you could recommend? Our, our listeners really love to get some recommendations and, and whet their appetite for their next trip. Is there anywhere you could refer them to? Well, I, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, goals, travel okay. goals. <laughs> yeah, bucket list items are good too, yeah. To hit some of these nether regions that, you know, you, you only read about in in. in fiction books, but, um, I, you know, I haven't been to some of the extremes yet, although they're on my bucket list. So I can only really speak to places I've been, but among those places, um, I, I keep coming back to the Exumas and let me preface that by saying that a long time ago, I was not really a Bahamas fan. I think it's, you know, I just, they just didn't do it for me, but I had never been to the Exumas. And the first time I got to the Exumas, that water to me was the clearest, just most 
bathtub. I need to jump in that water yeah. that I've ever seen before. Super inviting. Yeah. And, and I've been back a few times, luckily. Um, and the water just has not changed. And every time I'm there, it's like the first time I've seen that water, you know, it's, it's that shocking. Yeah. So if you haven't been to the Exumas, um, go, you know, find a boat and take it there. It's easily accessible from Florida or anywhere in the Eastern seaboard, uh, or get a charter boat and, and not have to worry about a thing, you know, yeah. and there's just so much to do. I mean, you can stretch, you can do a, a two day itinerary like you and I did on that Sunseeker last yeah. year, which we just packed so much stuff into two yes. days. It was unbelievable. And I'm yeah. still recovering from that trip <laughs> in a good way. Or you can stay there for, you know, weeks and never run out of things to do. There's so many little places to explore and experiences to be had. So Exumas are high up on my list. Um, another, another, I think emerging market, I would say is Costa Rica. Um, mm. you know, especially Papagayo Peninsula. Um, I was there a few years ago on a, a fam trip. Nice. Okay. <laughs> and it's just a great part of the world. It's, um, it's so lush. Um, if you're the, there in the right season, you know, obviously there, there's a, there's a dry season and a rainy season and you want to be there sort of at the, at the fringe of one of those. Um, it's so lush. There's so much to do and you've got access to so many, uh, adventures on land as well. You know, you've got mountains pretty much from Papagayo, you've got mountains within you know, 20, 30 minute drive and, um, you're zip lining, you're, you know, looking at the local flora and fauna, you're exploring, you're having an adventure. And to be able to do that from a, you know, 20 minutes away from your boat is pretty cool. Not to mention the fishing there is just unbelievable. I'm, I'm talking West coast of, of yeah. coast. Of, so, um, that's just a great spot. And it's, you know, a lot of people go to Costa Rica, but when you're there, you don't feel like it's overrun by tourists. Yes. Um, so go you know, now, right? <laughs> go now. <laughs> it's an emerging uh, destination. It really is for, I'm talking for, for boats to go to. They, they didn't have a lot of, you know, ports and marinas before. And now you've got a brand new marina at Papagayo. Um, you know, they've got super yacht capable amenities. Um, and that's starting to attract these boats to head in that, that direction, which is great. Yeah, for sure. And it's got a little something for everything, right? Like, Maybe you want to just lay on the boat all day. Cool. But maybe you also want to go, you know, on an epic hike or zip lining through the forest. It, it can all be done. And I think that's another thing that people um, are starting to realize too. You know, maybe you don't love swimming or maybe you think you get seasick. But if you're on a, a larger yacht with, you know, excellent stabilizers, you're barely going to feel like you're off the dock. Like it's it's not that. And you don't have to swim if you don't want to. It's just being at peace off away from everyone else and getting access to places. So whether it's just going from dock to dock and, you know, one Marina to, to a new location or something that that's your vehicle to get you there. Right. Exactly. You know, that's the beauty of having a boat, isn't it? You know, you can, you can stay on the boat, you can adventure off the boat. Um, there are so many experiences to be had and it's really up to you. You know, what do I feel like doing today? Um, that's, and, and you can take that platform anywhere you want to go. I mean, you know, pending, you know, wind and, and waves, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, length of time. And yeah, but still, yeah, the premise yeah. is the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sure people are going to love checking that out. And I have to agree with you. I think, um, so many people and we're all kind of guilty of this. I think, um, I grew up in Canada and the first time I went on a plane was to go to Europe. You know, I didn't want to discover Canada and then living in Europe, everyone was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you live in Canada. I love it. The Rockies and all. And I thought, mm -hmm. hang on, I'm missing my whole 
like what's on my doorstep. So I think so many people think, oh, Bahamas is just off Fort Lauderdale or off the coast of Florida. You know, I want to go somewhere really cool. And actually, it's got a world of its own there. Um, and it's so close. And like we saw, there's now direct flights from London. Um, we can get there direct from Canada and like all across the states. So it's it's easy to get to. And the payout is huge. Whereas you'd have to travel quite a bit further to get that in other places. Right. It's so easily accessible. Um, it's just a gem off the coast of Florida. And, you know, we're glad to have the Bahamas there. Uh, but it's so doable. And when you get there, it's the type of place where you feel like you've traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. But, you know, really, it's, you know, 70 miles to Bimini. And, yeah. you know, Bahamas, that sort of opens you up to the rest of the Bahamas from there. And yeah. it's very, very manageable, very doable. Hop, skip, and a jump. Um, and you're in our other uh, big port, Fort Lauderdale. So you're no stranger to lots of people coming in and yachting and on your beaches, on your doorstep. Right. And it's almost spring break here now. So we're about to, uh, <laughs> oh, it's about to get, get real. is <laughs> where I try to avoid A1A like the plague, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. I bet eh? it comes like really overrun with tourists, does it? It can, which is why it's nice to have a place like the Bahamas to escape to, or even yeah. just get out of the boat, you know? Yeah. I actually met quite a few, um, Floridians, I guess, in the Bahamas last time I was there. And they said they actually go in the summer when, I guess the humidity and everything else in Florida can just be a bit much. And I thought, Oh, that's quite cool. You know, and it's not far at all. So maybe they're staying on land. Cause I know yachts are a little bit, it can be a tricky season if you're boating um, down there yeah. then. But yeah. yeah, the summer is a popular time for, for the us locals to, uh, to head over there. And yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of low season as far as the Bahamas and Caribbean go, because it can be rather warm and humid. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you want to go at a time where you're probably not going to bump into anybody and you'll have a lot of these little anchorages all to yourself, summer's really a great time to go. Yeah, I think I met um, more Americans and Canadians living within a very close proximity to where I am than any sort of local um, when we were down there. So it was quite interesting. I felt like I was back on Lake Ontario or something just with all the the yacht locations on the back of boats and everyone was from Toronto, Montreal or Michigan, you know, escaping winter. Yeah. So right, right. I can't blame them. I am sitting, staring at a big pile of snow. So I think you might have the right idea, Andrew, uh, living in Fort Lauderdale. I have to agree with you there. It does have its perks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Constant tan, heat, no snow. I, uh, I agree. You've got to get on a boat then going up to Alaska or off Vancouver or something. Well, that's on my list. Northwest Passage is something I would love to do. And this new this new gig at Passage Maker Magazine, I think I'm going to have a few opportunities here real soon to, to do that. And, awesome. Um, Please update I've, us. People would love to hear about that. I will. We, maybe we can do one of these again sometime, and I'll tell you how it was. Um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, that's a great part of the world, and I'm looking forward to exploring it. Yeah. Um, and actually, while you're you're mentioning, where, where can people find you? And if they want to get in touch with you or read some of your articles, any – any place that we can send people on Instagram, we've got a lot of followers on Instagram as well. Please uh, let us know where to find you. Sure. Well, you can find us on social media at Passage Maker Mag. That's uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we're also at PassageMaker.com is our website. And we're just about to roll out, and uh, I hope it's okay I mentioned this, a yeah. new podcast um, called Beyond the Reef. So it'll be Passage Maker Presents Beyond the Reef. And... That is going to be pretty much a celebration of seafaring individuals, you know, the trawler nuts who aspire to go farther with their boats, and also the industrious workforce that makes it possible for them to do so. So we're really excited about getting that fired up in the coming weeks. So look for it beyond the reef. And um, 
that's us. That's where okay. you can find us. Yeah, we, we love that. So next month it's starting or you're recording it next month. So in a couple months, people can find you guys on the like in Google Play and iTunes. Yes, absolutely. By by April, we'll be in full swing. Uh, we're going to start recording in two weeks. Okay. And and, um, and look forward to it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait to give a listen. So everyone go check it out. And Andrew, really, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rebecca. Always great chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.